Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. State of the Empire is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. And is brought to you in part by Consequence of Sound, the web's foremost source for music and film news, reviews, and insights. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Welcome to State of the Empire, the Star Wars speculation podcast where we look for news in Alderaan places. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Doug. Hey, I'm Matt. In this episode, we're going to be talking all about Star Wars Rebels. Now, we took a little bit of an unscheduled hiatus in the earlier portion of the year, and that means that we missed out on the opportunity to talk to you about all the stuff that was hinted to and happening in the later half of Rebels Season 3, but also... Well, since we uh, picked up recording again, we've been to Star Wars Celebration. You can listen to our prior episode for the vast majority of that experience, but we saved most of the Rebels content for here and now in this episode. We're going to talk very candidly, very spoilerifically about the second half of Rebels Season 3, all of the things we saw, our reactions to how they went down, and our speculations as to what's to come, and then... We're going to open those blast doors and we are going to tell you everything we saw when Matt and I witnessed the debut episode of Rebels Season 4 at Star Wars Celebration. So, from now on, it is all blast doors, but two kinds of blast doors. <laughs> those make it even more confusing. <laughs> that was an airlock. Outer airlock. That'll make it a, We're going to put you out the airlock. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, before we go, remember, if you like this show, then we need your help. You're our only hope. We need you to rate and review us on iTunes, like and follow us on SoundCloud or Audio Boom, wherever you listen to State of the Empire. Give us some love. Tell a friend. Toss us a review if you can. We need more people to listen to the show. And uh, that's all on you, folks. If you love the show, we need your help. If you love it so much that you want to support us, cool. Head to patreon.com slash nerdy show and chip in there. At $5 or more, you'll get a ton of bonus perks from State of the Empire. All right, Rebel Season 3. We were telling you for months... Obi-Wan Kenobi's going to be in this. He's going to fight Darth Maul. We did not understand how exactly that was going to go down. We had all kinds of crazy theories. We thought they were probably going to pull in Ewan McGregor to voice him because he expressed some degree of interest in returning to the character. And you thought, like, Ray Park was going to get motion captured for shit? I, we did. Yeah. And yet, Ray Park did... Ray Park had a tweet that said that, hey, Obi-Wan and Maul, that's not done. And he was right. I mean, somebody told him. How, how was he privy to that? I, I gotta know. Like, at some point, we need to find out how he was... Pre- like, why Why would Lucasfilm let him know? You know, he was he was at Celebration. Yeah. We didn't get in the uh, we didn't get in signature line. We probably should have. That would actually be really uh, he, fun. He also had a panel. It was uh, prepare to be mauled. Yeah. And, where where uh, I understand some cool stuff happened. Yeah. Yes, I saw I saw that part. Why yeah. don't you tell us about what happened? Uh, uh, well, basically, the coolest part that happened was um, Warwick was hosting it, and he wanted to pull some people out of the audience up on stage to, like to reenact the final battle of the Phantom Menace with Ray Park. He got like a double-bladed saber and he started doing the moves. And then they pulled a person out of the audience who was dressed as Qui-Gon Jinn, who played the part of Qui-Gon Jinn. And they had all these other little kids, these little younglings uh, come up on stage and they held out saran wrap and uh, uh, to to be these force uh, shields, what, are the, what were they? The shield? I don't know what that was. The yeah, the moving, the, mo- some, the moving, the moving force fields. Some that, sort that, of ray shield. Yeah, that's something. that separated Obi Wan and uh, uh, from from Darth Maul. And Warwick himself played the part of Obi Wan. And basically, uh, they said, "All right, now let's do this. Three, two, one, go!" And then they did like a quick two second rehearsal to drive, like you know move like four lightsaber moves. And then he stabs the guy who was playing Qui Gon. He falls, and then Warwick goes, "No." And then he like bursts. He tries to he tries to burst through this like saran wrap that the kids are holding with his lightsaber, and he just runs at, at Ray Park. And in that moment, 
of him screaming no and running with a full-size lightsaber towards towards this enemy i got like a flashback to willow but just by the way he ran and the way he was yelling and he was like i mean granted he was play he's just playing a game but he's playing him pretend but it was acting and in that moment i saw it uh then he fought him and uh true to the form of the story he knocks him off of the stage of course it was he didn't actually knock him off the stage he crawled down off the stage was dangling poor work is hanging on the you know the side of the stage and uh the audience uh helped lift him back up for the for when he flipped over him but he didn't actually flip over him he just sort of ran like around him and then stabbed him and, and did the whole thing but it was it was really charming and seemed like they were having a lot of fun and the kids liked it and it was funny. It was good. So someday we'll talk to Ray Park and we'll ask him how the fuck did you know about that? Seriously. Yeah, like that. So like that happened, but they didn't talk about you know <laughs> the rebels or, or anything. We also like that. saw during this uh, during this time that State of the Empire was off the air, the Rogue One tie-in featuring Saw Gerrera mm. with uh, with Forrest Whitaker reprising his role from the film, and uh, the addition of Mon Mothma to the cast, and uh, oh my god. A huge bunch of arcs involving the dark saber from the Clone Wars. Yeah, that that, that came out of nowhere, right? It really did. Yeah. But it was amazing, the whole thing. And That's... I haven't even seen the Clone Wars. I don't even have context. Yeah, well, I... the dark saber's introduction in Clone Wars. I mean, pre Visla, John Favreau's character. Uh, I mean, really, our first real exposure to Mandalorians in Clone Wars. I mean, he you know busts out the dark saber and he says that this was this weapon was taken off of, you know. Jedi from long ago and essentially it was just passed down, you know, basically as kind of a, you know, victory trophy. trophy. And now kind of, I guess, Rebels sort of like more firmly established that like Mandalorian leadership sort of rallies around this thing. So it it went from kind of a weird relic item to being like a governmental, like a scepter almost, like symbol of power and um, kind of a lore change, it seemed, unless there was something I was missing um from clone wars but like it really got very important i mean it's got a black blade so that's pretty cool and a cool sound to it um but uh just i mean if you want to back up real quick to to saw guerrera i just want to say like that talk about like rebels blue balls like huh i mean no kidding the episode is called ghost of geonosis and it tied into an event that has been uh, hinted to in a number of different pieces of media. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's extremely important in Star Wars continuity, the extinction of the Geonosian race. Yes. And and also, the uh, so, I mean, once again, they just give you, you know, enough to make you really intrigued by what the Empire is doing, you know, over Geonosis. And, and... Extinction or genocide? A genocide. I mean, yeah, really, genocide, they... sure. Mm. And um, and also that that may not be necessarily true because we it looks like we have some some Geonosians left over, which was an interesting. Um, I don't know if that was like a Disney backpedal to not be too dark or you know just something that they're planning <laughs> they to do killed later. All but three, so it's not as dark. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, I don't know how like that makes the, it less dark. Like their culture can continue. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, but so Saw Gerrera, his backstory from the the visual i believe it was the visual guide to rogue one was that he was using the breath mask due to some inhalation of uh Geonosian pesticide yeah pesticide uh-huh. so and in this episode we go it's a two-parter we go deep within genosha and see our genosis and and see these huge tankers that have been planted like they're an insect race they've been planted like at the base of their hive by the Imperials. There's Imperial logos on them. The Rebels are actually trying to capture them as proof to show to the Senate, look what has been done here. Yeah, and so the pesticide is there. Saw Gerrera is there. And yet, he goes away without in- inhaling any pesticide. So, you know, the whole mask thing that I thought was coming up never happened. Also, like, Saw's voice was... I mean, obviously, I know a lot probably has to do with the, you know his accident, so to speak. But, like, even the Saw Gerrera that we hear over the intercom or the, you know, the comm link in the, the Urso homestead, that was still much different than the way Forrest Whitaker was voicing him in uh, Rebels. Which so points to... That this was done before all of the reshoots. I think Saw's character went through possibly the most significant of changes in Rogue One. And so I think this episode may have been done pre those changes. Yeah, and we will, as we mentioned in a prior episode... Uh, we are going to be doing a whole Rogue One post-mortem. You already heard our review immediately after seeing the film in December, but it's been about five months, and uh, we have learned a lot more, um, both from from leaks, from articles, and from panels at Star Wars Celebration. So we're going to be talking about that extensively um, pretty soon. 
Um, I have a quote from Kathleen Kennedy pertaining to this specifically. She says, to be honest, we originally thought we were going to develop uh, Saw into something much larger, but we couldn't accommodate it. So he's not in the movie as much as we would like to have him in the movie, which creates the opportunity to explore his character even further in our future development. Interesting. Something much bigger. I, I wonder what exactly that is. And that almost sounds like when she's like, oh, but we can't. And so you're like, oh, okay. So you lost Forrest Whitaker's involvement in future movies, like contractually maybe. And then they're like, yeah, but... You know, Forrest Whitaker is still sort of like on board with like reprising his role. Because he likes Star Wars. Because he likes Star Wars and he likes Saw Gerrera. So I don't think that's the issue. I wonder I wonder what they... What... Yeah. And this 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 edition of him in the, in this episode here, which and we know that Rebels episodes take a hella long time to make. So this was definitely... Like if something did change about, about what was happening in uh, yeah, they, Rogue they, One... They wouldn't have been able to change much of it for Rebels. They wouldn't have been able to change anything yeah. hardly. Dave Filoni worked with the story group like Kiri Hart, uh, especially, and Gareth Edwards to come up with Saw Gerrera's backstory. Yeah, and, I mean, Forrest Whitaker is coming back to reprise his role in season four. Yeah, well, which maybe to do, just to do damage control for what they've already done. <laughs> yeah, time time yeah. to suck up those pesticides there, Saw. They're probably going to find these probably going to be a pesticide junkie. Well, I mean, the pesticide thing, they can sort of go like the 9-11 first responder route. You know, or like he was exposed to it, but it just, you know, in the moment, he, I mean, because you're breathing in, even if it's, it's not like he didn't literally just breathe in the pesticides. No, not, as much not, as, not that I expected. You know. I just expected there to be an accident right. in that episode. But if he's in the tunnels where they released it for over over years, probably it, they it took to do this. I mean, I mean, maybe. I mean, that might have been. I mean, he it looked like he had been embedded on Geonosis for a little while there. Yeah. I mean, they could they could they could absolutely retcon it, but it just seems like it was very clear that. This didn't go down the way they anticipated. Yeah, it was yes. Going to go down. Yeah. Um, and uh, and we should also mention that uh, the Rebels was announced uh, to be ending with season four. If you haven't caught that news, so uh, we'll probably be bringing that up uh, in, mm-hmm. to come because we had because that you know that tells us that they could tell other stories with Saw Gerrera at other times, but in all likelihood, the last time we're going to see Forrest Whitaker perform that character is going to be in however many appearances he has in Rebel Season 4. Hmm. It's an interesting thing. No, nothing before? Shave the head and go back to uh, <laughs> him and Two Tubes hanging out? Oh, yeah, and Two Tubes is going to be in it, which is really cool. His his old pal from, from Rogue One is going to be in I his, feel in like Two Tubes is, might be like the sort of like alien fan favorite, like the sort of side character fan favorite to come out of Rogue One. He was the Constable Zuvio of Rogue One. Yeah, he was. He was the dream of Constable Zuvio <laughs> realized. <laughs> well, it's funny because I think they kind of expected it to be one of the Rebel soldiers, like Power um, Biston. I think it was his name, like the you know the space monkey or yeah. the uh, the yeah. you know the reptilian guy. And I think it ended up being Two Tubes. Well, Power, Pal, those folks they didn't they didn't get they just didn't get as much screen time as Two Tubes did. Yeah, Two Tubes really formidable in beating Rogue One. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is a little clip from the uh, from the Rogue One guide. This is not a direct quote, but it pertains to what we've what we heard here. Um, when the Geonosians first started planning to build a separate a super a super weapon powered by a kyber crystal, it was largely kept secret until Geonosian ruler Poggle the Lesser was captured by Anakin Skywalker during the Clone Wars. After the Clone Wars came to an end and the Emperor rose, Will of Tarkin learned of the theoretical weapon and became enamored with it, championing it to Palpatine, who, of course, just so happened to have the Geonosian's original plans thanks to his alter ego as Darth Sidious. Construction of the physical frame of the weapon began over Geonosis with the help of Geonosian labor. With the framework done, the only problem remaining was refinement of the kyber crystal energy source to power the facility's super laser. In order to keep the weapon secret while it worked on that conundrum, the Emperor sterilized the entirety of Geonosis, wiping out its population of billions. No notes on uh, how they made that giant kyber crystal bleed. <laughs> he didn't want to do that, you know, because that's what Sith do. Well, it wasn't a red laser. It was a... That's what I'm saying. Why wasn't it a red laser? That's what Sith... It's, it's a giant kyber crystal. and ain't going to make it bleed. And if there was one thing that they really never had to go into, it was that lightsaber bleeding. Yeah. I mean, they really just did. They could have not done it that. It ruined yeah. everything. <laughs> it doesn't even ruin anything. It just Star makes it Wars dumb. Star Wars is broken. It, just, it makes it overcomplicated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it took something that was simple, that had a simple explanation, and makes it needlessly overcomplicated. It, it, it's also, I mean, and once they, I mean, this kind of goes back into our, you know, previous discussions about uh, where they could be possibly taking the philosophy of the Force. And, and I think Rebels actually gets into a lot, it a lot yeah, with, yeah, yeah. with, you know, with Bendu and everything else is, once you establish that, like, the dark side does something to a lightsaber crystal, that makes, like, 
a binary spectrum of yes, the way the force yes. works like the only philosophy that's possible i mean yeah. i guess maybe you could explain it some other way but if only the dark side of the force can bleed a, a crystal red that's what I say. Like, what is the band dude? Is like, he is it turned purple because he's like, is that why Mace Windu's was purple? Because he's Mace like, kind of a great Windu. Jedi. Mace, he's a great Jedi. Oh, oh shit! <laughs> Mace Windu's a great Jedi in disguise as a Jedi. No more great Jedi. We have to confirmed. Get... Purple lightsaber, Ma- blue and red mixed together. Mace Windu is a secret Force moose. Confirmed. <laughs> shit. <laughs> the Bendu was a big part of this season. Yes. Um, and. He represents such a. If you go back to our celebration episode, we talk about also the Force Awakens or the For, the Last Jedi trailer, and uh, and and Luke's narration there about you know ending the Jedi. And Bendu's narrative is such a significant part of how the story group is seeding that plot thread throughout Star Wars media right now, because Bendu is a gray spectrum Force wielder in his ambivalence. Yeah, he he is like hands off. Don't touch me. I'm an isolationist. He has incredible power. Absolutely preposterous power. He can control the weather. He turns <laughs> into a storm, Doug. He turns it's, into. A, he's like the it's like the giant turtle in Never Ending Story. <laughs> Basically, so, but Bendu, he doesn't care about about anything. At all, he's like a total nihilist. Doesn't even care that he doesn't care. Yeah, and he—I mean, he uses he when he says the the phrase Jedi Knight, he says it with such derision. Like, yeah. like I mean, really, just and and hearing these points of view on the Force that that are different from Jedi and Sith are like one of the most interesting things to me. Yeah. So that's why I'm like anything anything Bendu does, I'm interested. Anything they're gonna do, like uh, that's why, like I said before. The Je- the, Luke saying the Jedi must end. I'm like, yes, go further. I want to know where this goes. This is interesting to me. And, then, and the expanded universe used to do that. We we definitely went gray, and and all kinds of crazy philosophies and so, schools of thought. And so I, I posed the question before of, well, at the end of Rebels, if it's going to end with season four, who's going to live? Who's going to die? Because is Yoda going to say, you know, when I'm gone, the last of the Jedi will you be? Does this mean that maybe Ezra and Kanan would survive if they develop a wider view of the Force? So they kind of turn their back on what being a Jedi means? You know? That's, I don't know, that's a tough question. I I, I think it's interesting that um, Kanan's sort of Force um, guide in Season 2 ends up being like a sort of Jedi disembodied spirit version of of the inquisitor yeah you know what i mean like it's right there like the core of what being a jedi actually is about like can exist in a figure like that yeah as opposed to you know a mace windu or or someone that we think of as a prequel jedi you know right i think in the end like gray spectrum doesn't mean like this fusing of light and dark it just means like connectivity to the way life works third party can and and the the yeah exactly <laughs> that you know the, the i mean just what obi-wan says it's just you know it's the energy you know it, it's what binds us what binds the universe together it's yeah. just the way life. the way yoda says it's like oh it's the tree the rock yeah the ship it's like that shit's not good or bad it just is it it's is just, you know yeah. uh i by the way i just found a note here that i made for myself during um during a panel that pablo hidalgo and dave filoni uh had talking about uh, basically Lucasfilm animation overall. Lots of crossover from Clone Wars talk and and Rebels talk. And I don't recall the actual quote. I was writing it down in a hurry, but I wrote down, saw allusions to changes in character made uh, So at the last minute. So if you go back and you watch that panel, I believe it was streamed, uh, then you will, you will maybe get a quote or two in there that will allude to some last minute changes for saw as well. Interesting. Just to further, further build up that case profile on what happened there. Um, uh, and yeah, so, so the, the, I mean, we don't know what, what happened with the Bendu. I don't know if we're going to see him again ever. I mean, he's pretty rooted to a planet that is, there's no reason anybody would ever come back to that. But, and, and very ambiguous ending. Although once again, fans seem to really believe that he was dead. I mean, going back to the finale here. I mean, yeah. it it's I don't know. I you you don't just you're not just a force you know force creature that disappears. I mean, it's typically like you know yeah. going into the you know the force. Yeah. But for the Bendu, I don't know what that necessarily means. Yeah, that could, that could mean we we know so little about the Bendu. Yep, so very very little about what on earth he is. 
How cool would it be if we got Last Jedi references to the Bendu? Yeah, if the ghost of him shows up. Well, I, I don't. I don't mean an appearance in them. <laughs> I mean, but I, I just like. I don't know. I. I just. Maybe Bendu's a force tree. <laughs> his antlers. Those are his antlers. It's not a tree. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it, it's. It's neat though. It's neat though. What we've you know you know in watching levels in watching rebels what we've learned that's going to aid in the narrative of episode eight. Like they we're gonna have a fuller experience from having watched Rebels, weirdly enough. Right. And understanding what you know what comes ahead. Um we were pretty excited at the the prospect of the Rebels going to Dantooine uh immediately after this, but uh it looks like they're not. Uh we're gonna talk about well, we could t- let's talk about Dantooine here. No, we shouldn't talk about Dantooine. Dantooine looks great, guys. They designed Dantooine for Rogue One. We'll talk about that in the Rogue One episode. Um, but in the trailer for uh, for season four of Rebels, they very clearly show Yavin a lot enough that uh, we're just not going to see Dantooine. Someone else, someone else hung out there. Maybe yeah, we'll some other cell. Yeah. Who knows? Some other. Yeah, I mean that's only. It must have been some other Rebel cell occupied Dantooine. A major Rebel cell, no doubt. What, maybe well, they said it was. It looked like it had been abandoned for some time. Does some time mean six months, or does that mean eight years? Who knows? I mean, it might have been Belargana's. I mean, that. I mean, Leia is clearly aware of the Dantooine base. Obviously, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the only way we know about well, it. Even if she only knows of it as a throwaway thing, where if they ever capture you and they want to know, tell them this. Just so it'll. Well, stall I, I mean, clearly they were there and they designed it for Rogue One. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was intended to be used as a rebel base at some point. Sure. Sure. But I think that that's probably because right now, I mean, we're still kind of separated from the like our rebels are still separated from the Bell Organa cell. Yeah. You know, who kind of started the Fulcrum Network and the Ahsoka novel. So that might be where they have been or where they are. Actually, I don't know. Bell Organa is probably at this point already on Yavin. Who knows? Maybe we'll find out. Maybe we will. And we know that there's an episode of the forthcoming uh, animated short series, Forces of Destiny, featuring... Uh, we're not sure where it takes place, but a short involving Ahsoka on uh, Yavin. That's such a big thing to say. I mean, don't you think everybody would have been doing the Ahsoka lives exclamation marks then? Yeah. I don't know. I the force it, could, be, but we don't know when it takes place. It could take place before she's like, "All right, uh, I'm I'm off to go meet uh, the rebels on the ghost. I got to go save him at the end of like season two or whatever." I hope it's, it's just like, her walking around the Massasai temples, and then she goes, "Yeah, this will work as a base." And like that's the end. <laughs> and that's <laughs> Roll it. Credits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or she says, "Yeah, it has like a little tune to the force." Kind call, of thing, calls you know? calls Baragana yeah. and says, "Hey, this this place will work. Well, you can you can now leave Dantooine." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's weird because those temples and and the uh, some of the the mythology of them are explored in recent issues of Dr. Afra. Oh, awesome. I, I actually, I, I missed that about the Expanded Universe, Aren't the old temp, temple lore. Sith temples? Uh, yeah, in the old canon, for sure. I have no idea. I haven't read those issues well, of Dr. Afra in this yet. case, it takes them to an uh, the the resting place of an, an ancient and long-rumored uh, order of Old Republic Jedi called the Order Aspectu, where oh. there's a whole bunch of crazy shit that's been going on, and it's all, I believe, new old shit. So they go like from some crazy Sith lore on Yavin to some crazy Jedi lore on Yavin. Well, and it's also ambiguous because there's two stories about how it went down, and, and no one if, no uh, one knows if it was really Sith time. or Jedi involved. Oh, time to get Exar Kun back. And, well, Let's and, do it. And if uh, some of the events from Star Wars: The Old Republic Online are canon, there's a storyline where you got to go to Yavin and both the Sith. And Jedi are there at the same time, and crazy shit happens. It's Exar Kun, the the original double bladed lightsaber user, predates Darth Maul. Uh, is he involved with the one I'm talking about just then? Mm-hmm. No, um, but but th- but it's that takes place after Exar Kun. This thing because like that Exar Kun is already a legend by the time. Well, yeah, but he was like an active Force ghost by the time Luke got there with his yeah, Jedi temple. Yeah. So I figured maybe he could be. They talked about floating him, but he's around not. as a spirit. Uh, I didn't. I didn't see him. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So another major aspect of this part of the season was Thrawn and Callus in that storyline there where we see the debut of the TIE Interceptor. Not just Callus, though. Hot Callus. Hot Callus. It's true. Hot Callus. Because oh, God. I mean, are you not, you know, <laughs> I saw it. I was just like, Hot Callus. I'm just like, here we go. It's going to be a thing. Now. Uh, no, no, no. It's, that, it's, it's already, already been. Yeah. The, the, the trending hashtag. Oh, it's already, uh, hashtag, already oh, hashtag yeah. Hot Callus? Yeah. Oh, damn. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and... And hey, if you watch that trailer, he gets even hotter. 
<laughs> so like, because Rebel Callus, Rebel Callus is real hot. Um, it turns out, even with those gross ass mutton chops. <laughs> so, uh, Callus, of course, is Fulcrum, and we. It was it was very tense. There were some really great episodes of of just like high tension when when Thrawn in all of his uh empirical like thinking and problem solving realizes oh yes this traitor simply must be agent callus mm-hmm. everyone's like no impossible and callus does such a good job being you see him be a spy and he's really good at it and if it was if he wasn't up against thrawn he would have been fine um, yeah i never would have suspected him yeah <laughs> and um and I was really, I was really worried for him the whole time, yeah, and I, too. I hated this character when he started. I did, <laughs> I did not like him, but like he has really won me over. Yeah, it's, a, it's a good art. It's, you know, the sort of, I don't know. It's, it's a, to me, it's a much more mature, like type of conversion. You know, someone who's just like, you know, he still maintains that sort of like imperial, you know, sort of like rigidness, and like so far, this like the new canon is filled with. Um, people who just decide to to resist the empire as opposed to people who are in the system and see the atrocities and then just decide I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Like even like Wedge and all those uh, like imperial defectors they, they were still they, they were trainees. See, they yeah. were trainees. They they were training they were learning to do bad things right. but they didn't do bad and things. And we haven't gotten to meet people who are like hardened like proper Believers. military veterans who yeah. are just like you know what i can't do this anymore i'm gonna bring my leadership values to the other side which the old rebel alliance and the old canon was filled with that but in the current one it's a lot of people who are older already like general dodonna and people like that like you know it's kind of cool to see callus be like in the prime of his military career and just be like this isn't right mm-hmm. yeah and, and dodonna by the way gets introduced as a major character and huge character death and in, in terms of support staff uh, I don't remember his name actually. Uh, Admiral Sato. Yes, Admiral yeah. Sato. Man, like the 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 Rebel Armada fleeing uh, Chopper Base was that was it. There was just terrible shit happening left yeah. and right. That was that was. I mean, Thrawn really threw the hammer down, and like you know, some Battle of Hoth like type repercussions of you know just being decimated. Really. Yeah, far worse than Hoth. Yeah, far worse. It's interesting. Um, Dave Filoni. I I don't know the source. I offhand, but he recently said that a lot of the apprehension in Rogue One about attacking Scarif yes. is because of Thrawn's relentless pursuit of the Rebel fleet. That and was at a panel at, at Celebration. Well, it was at a panel. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a very interesting way to look at the, the mindset during Rogue One. Like, oh, man, look what happened at Chopper Base and presumably what happens to the Rebels in Season 4, I would yeah. assume. Cause it would also explain why they put such an emphasis on a shield generator on Hoth. That they can they can deflect that kind of bombardment. Right. It's like we, we we can't risk that again. Like let's put it all on this. And I now I gotta know why wasn't Thrawn leading the? I know why he wasn't leading the Death Star because that's not his command. But like, where was he at Hoth? Like, yeah, wh- what's gonna happen to that character? Right. Well, is, they, is it still canon that the Emperor doesn't really care for aliens? I, we don't know. We don't know. That xenophobia thing. I I've always thought that was a weak thing. Yeah. To me, it was always like a. Let's explain why there's so many humans. Yeah, and it's like they're xenophobic when in fact it's it's very difficult for production to have a bunch of humans and and or a bunch of aliens and. But I really right, think right, right. that Disney should have a star destroyer filled with lots of different types of alien imperial officers. Well, if they go the xenophobic route, they become easier to hate. I, I guess I just I don't know I just find it weak. I mean, l- look at look at the Rebel Alliance in the throne room at the end of A New Hope. They're xenophobic. There wasn't a single alien except the Wookiee in there. Uh, you know the helmets on. You oh know, no, you it was whatever. all humans. Like, <laughs> Come on, they need to go back and special, special edition that. Add some Twi'leks. Add some. I want Hera up on the stairs with Leia. Like, well, maybe they had. Maybe there's a special spot for the aliens that are too tall, because otherwise you can't have a nice even thing. If you're standing there, it's like to see the opening, to see the you know ceremony. I want. I want, you, I want you, you turn at attention, and then suddenly a big hairy carpet standing in your way. <laughs> I want Hera and in, 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 uh, CG Harrison Ford to have a conversation, and <laughs> Kanan and Luke to talk and like like show each other light sabers and yeah. i'll show you yours yeah <laughs> i i just want to say it's been really bugging me i feel like the act the actor who plays hera would be a f- absolutely perfect one-to-one conversion of her character put some, put her in some green makeup make it happen she's great everybody loves her she should have been on set during rogue one 
I think it's fucked up that she was. It would have been weird though, wouldn't it? It 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 would have been weird. I admittedly, but I will say I I feel like the entire cast could like fill that Dude, role. Freddie Prince could totally do it. Freddie Prince could like I want oh, yeah. I want Freddie Prince to be like if we get a flashback to like uh like um Jedi Luke's temple burning. I would love to see Freddie Prince Jr. Like, come just down. Just a World one shot like, as a flash sequence. Well, or just like, like like to come down and like have like a valiant fight, holding off like one or two Knights of Ren, Damn, and then maybe dying oh. there. Like Freddie, he I could would pull lose that off. My mind. Like I would, yeah. I would literally be jumping up and down in the aisles. <laughs> like just like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. And then, no, no, Kenan. <laughs> Um, uh, to that end, though, during the fitting pre- end, he he has to score off against Kylo Ren and shit. God mm-hmm. Damn. Uh, uh. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Be so good. And what is Ezra's one of the Knights of Red? <gasps> Don't even suggest such a thing. <laughs> now he's Snoke. We already know this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, during the press conference um, for Rebels, uh, Dave Filoni did say that um, the he he doesn't the, uh, he didn't offer up any like actual canonical reason why Hera wasn't present at the uh, at you know in Rogue One. You know why they called her. And he's like, but I like to think that they 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 knew that Hera would have been like no. We have to listen to Jin. This is this is this is what we got to do. And she would have already been oh, warming dude, up the ghost. That would have been the best. Like that's that's that would have been the only way to justify her being in the film. Like as I was like, ah, if she's just a cameo, it'd be weird because she's human. She's you know like mm-hmm. live action, but whatever. But if you had her, even if it was just her voice in the back, being like, let her, you know, instead of let her speak, you know, no, like no. The, what is she proposing? What is she proposing? <laughs> let the girl speak. It's just God, it was awful. But if it was recognizable like that, or if you just saw, even if it was just in silhouette, something, man, shit. Yeah, he he thinks that she wasn't that they intentionally like excluded her from that. They she was off on a mission. They staged this meeting while she wasn't there because they knew what she, they as a general, they knew what she was going to do. They knew she would have already like formed her insurgency or whatever and gone off and done that. She would have um, joined them, yeah. Yeah, which well, is shit, why that would have been cool too if the ghost lifts <laughs> off with Rogue One's like, you know, Rogue One, we got your back. Yeah, but that would have given away way too much if, well, if there's Ezra and Kanan and, you know, oh, of course, like, you know. So, um <laughs> So, so that then when they call Hera in afterwards, it's because Hera got in and they're briefing her, and Hera's screaming at Mon Mothma like, oh, "How could you not believe Dude. her?" Zeb <laughs> was there, and he was just—he was the one being like, "Let her speak." Like, <laughs> Cracks his knuckles, yep. you know. Yes. Uh, all right, uh, sorry. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> well, if we ever get you know extra footage of Rogue One, we can just uh, special we'll, we'll call up Steve and be like, "Hey, Steve, can we get can we get a let Honestly, her speak real quick?" I would be okay if like. Like three of the final like six episodes of this se- of season four was like, you know what they were doing during Meanwhile, Rogue One, yeah. yeah, essentially, and like you know all these weird kind of interconnected scenes with like you know maybe they Hera having a brief conversation with Jin or so before she leaves was or something. Wedge like supposed to, was Wedge supposed to be anywhere in Rogue One? Like was he? Was this he, has been spoken about, and I don't remember what it was. But did he do the attack on? Um... Not Scarif on a, a. I believe I heard he Wedge, was not present. Wedge was not at the Battle of Scarif. But was he at the earlier one uh, where uh, oh. Norso was killed? The bombing run and stuff? Like... That's a good question, Doug. I don't think we know that at all. Hmm. I don't think we know that. Um, should we talk about Darth Maul? Yeah, let's do it. He got put down like a dog. <laughs> 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 I I just want to... It was sp- good. It was great. And... and um. 
kind of har- like harkens back to a lot of the samurai aspect that George really loved in developing yeah. um, the original the Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this was that type of showdown. Definitely, I was not expecting that. No, I was expecting some sort of like really over- flashy the yeah, fight very- to end all fights. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that was beautiful. And that whole episode is beautiful. I I would challenge anyone who felt frustrated by that episode, which I can't understand, to go back, rewatch that episode, turn up the volume on that episode, and with like the haunting music and the visuals, and just really look at like Tatooine has never looked that alien and beautiful. Like that is a mystical, holy planet. Maybe just by the fact that Obi Wan's doing that training and Luke is there. I mean, that Tatooine has never been presented in in that sort of way. Dave Filoni like he he was such a force behind with that episode like he just everything meticulously they, he showed at, at celebration his his like thumbnail storyboards for the the fight sequence mm. which originally had a couple more strokes but he decided no no it needs to be like yep you know smooth and uh in in taking everything that um all, Obi-Wan in many ways like taking what he learned from his master and doing it right and avenging it and you know like because Darth Maul was was a, a great loss for him like you know in loss of Qui-Gon and also a great victory because he was he was a Jedi who killed a Sith the first in so long to have done so right. and and then that was taken away from him and then it came back and then but he's he's now at peace and he and Maul are communicating in this weird way where Maul he, he seems to be wanting to fight but really he just wants to die <laughs> You know? Really, I mean, absolutely, and that panel was great. Where they talked about the like the difference between like Maul, who's obsessed with greed and like power, and like that never ends. You never cap out, and Obi Wan, who's literally given up everything, yeah, for living you know, in poverty. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, once again, that is not the Jedi Order of the prequels. Yeah, I mean, hearkening back to our discussion during our celebration episode, like. There's once again that middle ground that we're heading towards in Last Jedi where, you know, Obi-Wan puts down Maul, but then holds him in his arms just like Obi-Wan held Qui-Gon when he was dying. And Maul dies talking about he the Chosen One yeah. just like Qui-Gon talks about the Chosen One while dying. And and for Maul, even though, even though Maul, like, was... Uh, an absolute like dog mongrel monster just killing machine when he first met him mm-hmm. maul has been through such a journey of like trying to overcome like in falling out of line with what with how the sith's teaching yeah, himself he's kind of even he's kind of like the sith are bullshit you know yeah like and he's still an awful creature an awful oh yeah an awful person hateful yeah but he's still once balanced in the force he's still thinking of the chosen one and what could that mean and what's crazy is he dies saying he will avenge us both and you know what he's not wrong like Maul's like dark-sided sounding statement is not wrong. Like there is a balance that is about to be achieved with someone that is much more in connection with so, the so living. I wanted to get to that line force. specifically because I want to hear how you both interpreted that. I think that what essentially what 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 Maul is getting at with everything we've seen, you know, Last Jedi wise, and like you know all this sort of meta commentary on like what the Jedi were and what the Sith are is like Luke's vengeance will eventually be bringing things from polarized you know you know horrible dogma and like just ruthless corrupt you know but, but evil. why but why would uh why would maul think that obi-wan needs to be avenged because of what happened to him like he's not dead i think the jedi order betrayed him too i mean i think i think in a way like i that's why once again it's not an unheroic thing ahsoka walking away from the order mm-hmm. like Ahsoka's considered a character that is on like a journey path that has li- I mean she's still a hero and she's literally left the order yeah Kanan's never even gotten formal never training yeah, yeah, that, yeah you know like Ezra is getting training by fire like you know like these are and Kanan's and, making it up as he goes along he and, really is and Kanan he's still they, learning too <laughs> Kanan Kanan says that Ezra is is greater and more naturally adept than he ever has been in his entire life and yep. is and fears that he can't teach him anymore well, that's another thing for those listening that haven't seen the panel of the cast for season four, like the season four sneak peek, like Freddie Prince Jr. has such a great grasp of what Kanan is going through and like the, the mental state that he's been through and where he's going. That I would highly recommend that you at least tune into like, you know, his answers, like some really great insightful stuff about, you know, how he sees Ezra, how he sees Sabine. Like, he's, he's still in character on Twitter. He's in character all the time. So. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, just some really terrific stuff. And there's like all the heroes of our current like Star Wars saga, like Nomad Obi-Wan, like 
you know, Nomad Yoda, Kanan, who never got formal training, Ahsoka, who left the order voluntarily when she saw that they were all a bunch of hypocrites, like, you know, Luke that, you know, obviously, like, did not get real training. Like, none of these people have been through the Jedi Order. Yeah. You know, like, I think we're all kind of, you know, so, like, I think that vengeance is sort of like saying, like... Can you imagine Luke Skywalker learning the word Padawan? Was that Obi-Wan's Padawan? Right. <laughs> like, with the hair and shit? <laughs> what is this? I ain't doing that. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a no, rat tail? Yeah, because you imagine... Because I think Yoda isn't like, he must grow the tail out of his bird. Like, 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 no, I'm not doing that, Yoda. Yep. So, it's, I, you know, it's going away from institutionalism and things like that. And I think that is a great message for, you know, Star Wars should... You know, Star Wars reflected the time it was in as well. Mm. You know, it came out like kind of like right on the tail end of the Vietnam War and things like that. And, you know, anti-fascism and that sort of thing. And I think now a new message about like anti-dogma and institutionalism. Anti-division. And, and, yeah. and, 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 and anti-fear and like, yeah, you know, like yeah. and that's what rules. We need. And, like that's that's what we need. And I yeah. think Rebels is doing an amazing job doing that. And I think Last Jedi is about to do an amazing job doing that. Yeah. And it's going to it's going to be people are going to be surprised, I think. Yeah. Like anyone who hasn't been going on this ride with Rebels is going to be real surprised when they get to Last Jedi. Yep. It's going to be eye-opening. Um there was a great observation by Seth J Albano on our Star Wars Spoilers Facebook group which if you, you can join if uh, if you know if you're okay with Star Star Wars Spoilers. He said, "I saw I kind of saw the mall thing as suicide. He may have told Ezra, "See you soon," but suicidal people people often never tell anybody what they're contemplating some hints when uniting the holocrons he was looking for hope what else is a suicidal person looking for in his lair on dathomir particularly on the portrait of duchess uh, satine we see splashes of dried blood indicating that he's been cutting himself the sheer desperation in his voice when he begs ezra to be his brother indicates that he is on some level begging for his own life the only genuine connection he ever had was to his real brother, and with Ezra's rejection, he will never get that back. Maul knew he was in no condition to face Obi-Wan, but he taunted Obi-Wan into drawing his weapon because he wanted to die on his own terms, trying to kill one of his enemies. The interesting part to me was the line, then he will avenge us. It shows that no matter how much he hated Obi-Wan, he knew that both of them shared a much bigger, much worse enemy that they were mutually powerless against. Yeah, it's beautiful. I think that's very valid. Mm Mm-hmm. Thank you, Seth. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, like that's that one great. of like the all star comments on that on that yeah, Facebook group ever. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that was terrific. Um, so uh, yes, a, a great observation about the brotherhood thing. Because guess what, they had to cut a lot of stuff from that episode for just timing and budget, and also for for the sake of compressing the the narrative so that people wouldn't have had to have watched Clone Wars that they could still relate to the story. And Maul was originally going to have visions of Satine and Savage Do Oppress. Wow. They, oh, in fact, why do they tell us these things? They, I want to see that. They built a model of Savage before they decided to cut it. <sighs> now, granted, fuck that guy's name, but... Well, yeah. <laughs> Georgie, Georgie. Yeah, silly old George. <laughs> what if by see you soon, it meant he'll be a force ghost? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can you imagine? I don't think... Maul is such damaged goods, he could never nah, attain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To he be was, fair, yeah. though, I mean... Well, other Sith have done it. I mean, Yoda Yoda talked to Darth Bane's Force Ghost. I mean, in, in the Clone Wars Netflix episodes, and uh, Darth Bane as voiced by Mark Hamill. <sighs> okay, never mind. <laughs> That's entirely possible. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think really the key to immortality in that sense is just like a connection with, like an actual connection to life, to the Force. I don't know if the Sith of that era maybe were able to... You know, yeah, sure, they're they're passionate, but and, what would and evil. Him, yeah, what would time? Because he kind of he want if he was seeking death, he's not seeking immortality uh, as a ghost. After you know, true. That brings us to season four, and right now we're not going to talk about the the episode. We're just going to talk about the stuff that um, well, that was was teased to us as as an audience. So teaser stuff, trailer stuff. So we've seen the trailer. The trailer's amazing. The trailer's way better than the last Jedi trailer mm-hmm. by a lot. <laughs> And um, it's it's gonna it's gonna hit you hard because especially knowing this is the last one, like it's you're just ready for somebody to die. And honestly, I don't have any good guesses as to who, except that we clearly Hera and Chopper are gonna be fine. Yeah, I don't know. I, that man, that Hera monologue in the beginning. I know she mentions Chopper like when she's describing all of them, but like that just really sounds like she's telling a story about the demise of her friends. <laughs> I hope that's not the case. Here's some shit that was teased. We've got a lot of Amanda stuff coming up. There's a strong indication we're going to see Boba Fett. 
Yeah, that was that was interesting. A strong indication. Um, Mon Mothma is going to be there, and we're going to see more Mon Mothma, and she's going to be angry. We're going to see some U wings. In fact, the the still of Saw and Two Tubes was inside a U wing. Um, Work Davis is <laughs> finally voicing a character in a Dave Filoni show, and uh, he's voicing a character who already existed but has never existed in this new continuity. Admiral Thrawn's assassin, Rook, or ro- how do you, how you meant to say it? Yeah, it's it? like Rook. Rook, yeah. yeah Sound like that. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, the Nogri. Yeah, that was his species. But you know, essentially, call him Thrawn's assassin in the original continuity or original expanded continuity. Um, Thrawn inherited them from Vader after Vader was dead. Like Vader employed them as his assassins. <laughs> As a matter of fact, when they met Leia, they were enamored with her because, like, she was Vader's daughter. Ah. Uh, so essentially, that's why they ended. I up remember kinda, that. Yeah, it's she, been a while. Yeah, they it's ended been up since it came out. Yeah, turning their backs on Thrawn because it was like, oh shit! Like, we're actually because Vader sort of like inadvertently like kind of saved them, but it turned out it was like, he was kind of like misleading them. Like, there was a bunch of Imperial tests on their planet, and mm. it destroyed their agriculture, and like Vader essentially just came in and was like had it stop and they made it seem like he was their savior but in actuality he was like you know he's imperial yeah. but if you see a pinkish purplish skinned creature in the trailer that's that's Uruk. Yeah. um we are gonna see I, we don't know why but rex we saw we saw a turnaround of rex in some kind of uh, indoor style gear and well i know why we saw it that's that goes back to all those rumors from fans about his presence possibly in return of the jedi I don't know if you're you're aware of this. No, I'm not. I don't don't know. I don't. I'm not familiar with that fan theory. (laughs) What the the hell are you saying? If you guys remember when the rebel soldiers are hanging out on the side of the Imperial bunker when they're getting drawn out, there is a older grizzled soldier with a white beard Mm -hmm. and it looks like Rex. Oh, my God. And so fans have been like, oh, you could totally retcon this as Rex. And he made it to Endor and he's leading the strike force with general solo and we know that Hera's on indoor because she's in the forces of destiny right. oh my god now now pablo hidalgo i like he tweeted something along the lines of like guys nothing's canon you know like from that and then he was like yet so like <laughs> it it might be something they're toying with seeing if it works story-wise you know that sort of thing and like i'm all for it like i think that's a great i mean he should be at endor leading the strike mission i mean that's a that's also kind of a beautiful thing that he's there for the empire's defeat i'm gonna show cap a picture of the guy in question in return of the jedi i remember him yep oh man that would just uh that oh man so that's why when they put up that you know picture and everyone's just like oh shit that's the outfit (laughs) yeah Yeah, he's a side-by-side Oh man, it's oh, pretty convincing. <laughs> I have to say, that's like, make it happen, Dave. Make it happen. <laughs> I mean, why would they give Rex a beard that's identical? Oh, like identical to this guy's beard. Please make it happen. Uh, Wolf and Gregor might come back in the season. I hope so. They should. Also, there were originally going to be nine clone troopers left over. Oh, as a as a weird uh, sort of nod to the nine old men of Disney. Oh. But what eventually slashed that number was the production was like we can't we can't we can't afford that we yeah. need too many people yeah, stop it I know they're clones but come on yeah. they're all different <laughs> so um, let's see is that is that is that all the stuff before we um, I guess what we, what we could say is that uh, Dave said that each generation needs to have their own story and a meaningful arc so this is the most meaningful arc and if basically if he kept going it would not nothing would ever compare to what he's about to do. And so the show ends, but, you know, we reported, and as, as did many other people, that Dave Filoni was moving on to another show, and the reality is is that he's moving on to another show because there's another show after Rebels, and Rebels is ending. And therefore, he was, not, he was just moving on to the next project, and no one knew. I have so many mixed feelings about that. We'll see what happens. Yeah. It, uh, Rebels has been very successful, and a natural continuation seems like maybe a safe bet something thematically associated, something associated with some crossover characters, or maybe something brand new. He did want to do that show about uh, Imperial pilots, but mm-hmm. we'll see. I just also got to say, if that ends up being Rex on Endor, that probably would seal the deal on me watching the Clone Wars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, 
Man, he's seen some shit. Yeah. I'm like, I gotta see what he's seen. (laughs) So now, it's time to open the blast doors. Open the blast doors. Open the blast doors. All right, so here we are. We're going to tell you everything we saw in the first episode of Rebels Season 4. There's character deaths. Shit gets real. It's fascinating. The entire thing takes place on Mandalore. And something they've been teasing for a while comes back to bite one of our main characters in the ass. I just a footnote for those that were expanded universe junkies. There's a weird reference. So Mandalore had ended up with some very rich, thorough history, mostly due to Karen Travis. Like she was, she like created this whole subsect essentially from her works in the Republic Commando series of like, I mean, these Fandalorians, like just, I mean, Mando culture and language and their planet and how they were like agrarian warriors and like, you know, you could be adopted into them and like essentially like, you know, where were the clones' place within this social structure? Because they never like grew up there and they weren't, you know, real men. All this kinds of very interesting thoughts and ideas. But then George Lucas, while Clone Wars was going on, was just like, you're going to Mandalore and it doesn't look like the Mandalore of Karen Travis's agrarian farm warrior culture it looks like a bunch of cube-shaped cities that are inside domes and it's a wasteland environment and that was like karen travis quit star wars she's like i'm never writing for you guys again like she was out i mean he he basically uh obliterated everything she'd been working on everything she'd found in her career yeah on. this yes this might have been like the worst of the like clone wars did a lot to overwrite a lot of expanded lore this was the the most you know impactful there's a reference in this episode of saying of, <laughs> yeah. of Ezra actually asking about Mandalore and the planet and how it's kind of a wasteland and and, and like Sabine says like it used to be like you know a beautiful you know like grassy planet and then the warring Mandalorian factions just you know for hundreds of years ago just wiped out mm-hmm. everything and like I just the the wording of it just seemed to be a perfect like. Like, basically, they were saying, like, there's some truth in Legends, that sort of thing that they've always gone on about. But it was specifically, I feel like, about the weird Star Wars community infighting about what happened to Mandalore. So it was a very interesting, like, tidbit oh, thrown in there. Yeah. Like, it was it was really cool. And an opportunity to tell stories on the Ma- the original Mandalore. Right. Some yeah. Sometime in the past. some Someday. Maybe she'll come back. Yeah. Well, like all that Old Republic stuff. Yeah. That yeah. they hand about. Anyway. So there's their their goal is to uh, it's a full scale assault on a prison on Mandalore. The goal is to rescue Sabine's father, right? Who turns out is actually an artist, which is an extremely dangerous position. <laughs> He's going to be executed, and uh, it was a trap. It's a great battle. Ezra doesn't know how to use a jetpack, um, and uh, hijinks ensue. It, it was the most like. I don't know. I feel like most the most action choreographed scene that I've seen in Rebels since like the premiere, or I don't even know, maybe not the premiere, but the one there when they were trying to break out Ezra's friends from the Imperial transport on Lethal, the prison transport. Mm. Like it was just very like very reminiscent of Indiana Jones and Last Crusade. Mm. Like it was essentially like attacking the tanks and the, or, the horses or and, Willow actually in the the battle on Nakmar. There's like because there's it's a it's a it's a raised like platform thing and there's several battles happening in several different angles and the interplay Get between that characters. Willow influence. Yeah. Right. And then well, they even do the the for from Last Crusade like they have tanks going over the cliff mm-hmm. at the like you know the sort of you yeah. know breaking out prisoners like yeah. and that indie moment of like whether or not he made it, made you know, it or not, yeah. like it was I it was a great sequence. The action in this episode was was awesome. Yeah, actually there was because there's two sequences. We what we started with was the the sequence on the prison and then there's actually um Turns out he's not there. It was right. a, it was a trick, and so he, his, um, uh, Sabine's mom and her brother are fighting somewhere else, creating like basically a, a big problem to stop the prison transport from getting to the city where her father's going to be executed. So they get diverted, and the rest of the rebels then further divert them off a cliff, mm-hmm. um, kind of after having assaulted them. And my, I had this, the same thought you did during this. We haven't spoken about this at all, but right. like the 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 action on these pl- prison transports was so complicated. I was like, wow, they must have spent so much time boarding this because yep. there's three separate things with different things happening with different people in different places. It was amazing. It was it was uh, one of one of the most like creatively and technically impressive episodes I've seen. I, I really enjoyed it from that aspect. Like I still don't know what is going on in Mandalore that it's so important that they're helping out 
Like, I don't know, like, if there was some deal made considering their, the help that was given after um, the chopper base evacuation or something. But, like, yeah, it was really... T- and something I noticed, Ezra, this might be the first time Ezra's, like, volunteered to done, do something or said he's going to do something, and none of the other characters questioned. Like, they're like, somebody has to do this, to, you know, to get the tra- prisoner transfer. And Ezra's like, sounds like a job for me. And, like, Kanan and Sabine are just like, you know, nobody questions him anymore. Like, he's become like a full-fledged hero Reliable. of the rebellion. Yeah. He's, he's not he's not going to be hot-tempered anymore doing something else or Right. Yeah. And, and he he's... steps up in the biggest way possible. Yep. Like he 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 goes off the cliff with with Sabine's dad like in the thing he's rescuing him. He puts his own jetpack on that guy, sends him up, and then Ezra takes this huge risk and force jumps himself off of these different transports as they're catapulting into a chasm. Hmm. And the action is incredible. Yep. I mean, very thrilling episode. Yeah, like, it was. I mean, Ezra's really become. He's gone from. I, I, they mentioned it during the panel. You shouldn't like, you know, or actually, it was mentioned. Actually, I believe during the heroine panel about Ahsoka, that like you shouldn't like characters immediately because then you know you can't grow up with them. You can't, you know, that sort of like you know that Ahsoka was very jarring at first. Ezra was too, but now Ezra's become a very complete, reliable character. Mm-hmm. And this episode, I think, even though it wasn't directly about him might have showcased him in the in the best way possible. I mean his his showing in the premiere of season 3 was also great. Yeah. But that was in sort of like a conflicted way. This is a much more self-assured Ezra that like I mean hero of the rebellion Ezra. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty great. So, now all that, that's all fun and games. But yeah. there's there's also at at the uh, at the prison segment a surprise shows up. Yeah, a character for returning from Clone Wars, Bo-Katan who was Pre Vizsla's uh, lieutenant with the Death Watch, but was also like... Satine's sister. Satine's sister. So she was working during Clone Wars with the bad Mandalorians and then ended up kind of aligning with Darth Maul when um, when he kind of formed the coalition, the Shadow Collective or whatever it was. I believe the Shadow Collective. And... You know, Pre Vizsla and Bo-Katan and Darth Maul and a couple of Black Sun and a couple other criminal groups and Darth Maul essentially occupied Mandalore. And then after Satine was assassinated by Maul, like, I guess Bo-Katan's, like, allegiances started to shift. And it kind of, like, it kind of ended there for her. And she's been gone for a while. She showed back up in this premiere, which is very exciting for Clone Wars. Fans, Under the command was... of, uh, of Sabine's mom. Yes. Like, go help my daughter do this thing right and so like her character has gone through an interesting redemption of like being death watch to being you know sort of like conflicted about where she allies with family and now being like a once again fighting for the freedom of mandalore just from the empire instead of the republic i guess but um uh i guess we should start talking about the big the big ending yeah um Towards the end, there's during Satine's or I'm sorry, Sabine's mom's uh, diversion. Suddenly, she hears some audio, some sounds over the comm link, and and her mom was just like, you know, we're, we're cleaning up here, like it'll be over soon. Yeah, and like, like they're, on, they're on they're on, they're on the the empire's on the retreat. <laughs> except for this one walker, let's go take care of it, which always is very ominous. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Satine starts to notice. Or, I'm sorry, I keep doing it, Sabine. <laughs> Starts to notice the sound coming over the comm link. Starts telling her mom to get the hell out of there. And then, giant explosion off screen. Like, we're talking like mother of all bombs explosion. (laughs) And uh, they head over there. And there's been complete and utter disintegrations. No bodies. Armor. Like, like armor. Parts of armor. Yeah. Like, like nothing Scorch marks across the already scorched landscape. Yeah. The, The white sand is black. Yeah. Some creepy, like, nuclear fallout type things. beam a yep. nuclear beam yeah and then it's revealed right at the end that sabine she said she knew the weapon because she created it and that's where we end part one so apparently sabine is some sort of like munitions well, like yeah we knew we knew that she she did she, she did something she really regretted in the academy right and she left because she couldn't understand she couldn't handle the repercussions and now we know that she's got like a Oppenheimer complex going on. Yeah, and 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 Ezra jokes early in the episode, like, "Man, it, it, explosions really ru- like uh, 
running your family and 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 yeah no yeah. shit yeah she made she made like a planet a planetary like death star beam basically yeah. it seems and i i curious how they're gonna handle that over yeah. one season yeah because they, they have to like now they, they've acknowledged the existence of this technology that the Imperials have like refined and perfected what she started because I'm sure she tried to sabotage it. Um, and now they have to take that away because the Empire can't have that in mass. Right. They don't have that in mass. So what is it? <laughs> what is it? How does it work? How are they going to take that off the board? We don't know. And it's awful. And uh, it ends with her, you know, like having just gotten back her father uh, mourning the loss of her mother, they her father and mother hadn't seen each other in a very long time. Yeah, that's some messed that's, up poetic. That's like, painful and oof, awful, man. I, much more adult than I was expecting. That rebels, uh, you know, rebels tends to take the the you know kiddier route in some of these things, but this episode did not in the slightest. And I don't think the season is going to <laughs> no. like the way Filoni talked about like the arc having and doing things that he's never gotten the chance to do before. Like with fin- the season. finish a show. Yeah, like finish it now. Yeah, so it'll be exciting to see how it all plays out. Yeah, so that's that, and I think that's probably all we got to say on the matter. Yeah, we'll see you in a short while with more Star Wars news as it comes, and uh, our Rogue One recap featuring all the new things we've learned and our our impressions months later after the film is released, and theories about how Cassian Andor is connected to Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> I mean, come on, <laughs> great characters. <laughs> He obsesses me. Yaba, come on. Touching his, you know, like his belly. Like, I'm so tempted. The texture of Yaba is something I, I need to discover. 